Can you bring him along? Oh, that's good, yeah. That's, that's a good start. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's all right. Got yeah, it works well. Sometimes it's hit and miss the uh, screen, isn't it? Like sometimes yes, they show up well and oh, other no, times right. they yes. well, so. I, I just wasn't sure of the size. And, um...
Today we are looking at a biblical character because that's what John asked me to do. Is to choose a character in scripture that uh, you would like to talk about. So I thought about this and I've chosen a character who may not be very well known. Hagar. I wonder how many of you know the story of Hagar in uh, the Old Testament. I've chosen her because she was a person who came to know God in wilderness experiences. She came to know God in wilderness. You can find the story in Genesis 16 and 21. We're not going to read all of those chapters. We'll be reading part of it, but we're going to give a summary of her story so that you can see uh, how God uh, speaks through her into our lives. During the week, the theme of wilderness came up in a conversation I was having with someone. And this person said, wilderness experiences are powerful. Wilderness experiences are powerful. I wonder what you think of when you hear the word wilderness. You might think of a geographical place, a wilderness heritage area. A place that is wild and untamed at the mercy of the elements. It's a contrast to a place that has cultivated land or is an urban setting as we live in. You might think of wilderness in a figurative sense. Have you had a wilderness experience? A time when you were really tested and challenged. A time when you might have felt alone. You wondered how you would find the strength to cope and get through your wilderness experience. You may not have known the way ahead or how to get out of it. God felt far away or distant. And it caused you maybe to question your faith and what you thought about God. We can feel like we're in a wilderness experience in a time of depression, maybe illness, dealing with a traumatic life event, might be family circumstances, could be separation or divorce. It might be an experience of abuse or rejection. A wilderness experience. We all have them at some time in our life. In scripture, the wilderness was a dry and a barren place. Think about the Israelites coming out of Egypt. And they spent 40 years in the wilderness. We read about Jesus after his baptism, being led by the Spirit into the wilderness. For 40 days and nights, and that was where he experienced the temptations. So it's interesting how the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. So wilderness experiences are not to be seen as punishment for something we've done. It is in the wilderness that we learn lessons about God, about who we are. And we may never have learned those lessons unless we were in the wilderness. So, where does Hagar fit into this wilderness theme? 
Tina was an Egyptian servant taken from her homeland and she was in Abraham and Sarah's household. So uh, Abraham and Sarah. Now I'm right there, that often happens in the scripture, people's names change. So when we first encounter Abraham in Genesis, he is Abram and Sarah is Sarai. Later their names became Abraham and Sarah. So other than in uh, the scripture passage, I'm going to use Abraham and Sarah because it's just easier for you to connect where we are in the story. So Abraham and Sarah were married. Hagar was Sarah's servant. Now, Abraham and Hagar had a child, Ishmael. You'll see how this uh, works out as I tell the story. So Ishmael is there in the family line. And then later, Abraham and Sarah had a son, Isaac. I just set the scene for you. Now, I've summarised the story and I've got kind of like the key points there just so you can follow it because it can get a bit complicated and it's there for you to have a look at if you are not sure where I am in the story. God made a covenant promise to Abraham that through his descendants he would become the father of a great nation. So when God gave Abraham that promise, he and Sarah did not have a child and they were very old, like, you know, in their 80s. In their culture, childbearing was very important for women. It was how women found their identity and significance. And if you were barren, if you were unable to have a child, it was a shameful event. Now, Abraham and Sarah desperately wanted to have a child, but it wasn't happening quickly, even though God had given them a promise. So Sarah came up with a plan that Abraham would have a child with her servant, Hagar. Think of it, Hagar was actually a slave. This was accepted then because ancient marriage contracts provided for a man to take such action if his wife was not able to bear a child. Now, slaves did not have any rights in these situations. They were completely under the power and authority of their household master and mistress. So Hagar has no choice in this. She did not seduce Abraham. So we have Abraham, we have Sarah, we have Hagar. It was not a love triangle. Abraham and Sarah are using Hagar so that they can have a child. Hagar had been taken from her Egyptian household and enslaved. Today we would call this. So when we read the biblical story, keep these things in mind. Hagar became pregnant with Abraham's child and this resulted in immediate and far-reaching consequences. When Hagar became pregnant, 
she began to treat Sarah with contempt. You can see the dynamics in a household with these two women. She was boasting and Sarah was jealous. It was not a situation of household harmony. And to get revenge on Hagar, Sarah treated her really harshly and she blamed Abraham for the trouble that was happening. It's interesting, isn't it, how human nature plays out in all of this? Adam blaming Eve, Eve blaming the servant, Sarah coming up with a plan, Sarah blaming Abraham when it doesn't turn out as she wants it to. So Hagar was treated so harshly that she ran away into the wilderness. So it's here that we pick up the biblical account in Genesis 16. And in this part of the story, this is where Abraham is referred to as Abram and Sarah is Sarai. So I'll use those names in this Bible passage, but it's same. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, You are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, You are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Beer Mahaloi, which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found between Hamish and Eret. So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. Now don't try to read this story or understand it with our Western mindset and our cultural structures. It's hard enough now to understand situations in the Middle East, let alone in ancient times. And it's interesting actually how much of the conflict in the Middle East can be traced right back in history this point. We could think God is cruel to send Hagar back to Sarai 
Yet she would not survive as a pregnant woman alone in the wilderness. So that's why she was sent back. Don't draw conclusions from this story about how abused women should put up with abuse and violence. That's not what this story is about. This was about sheer survival for a pregnant woman in ancient times alone in the wilderness. So God actually sent her back for safety and for the safety of her child. The way that God comes to Hagar in the wilderness is how he comes to us in our wilderness times. So if we think about God and Hagar and this relationship, God actually addresses her by name, Hagar. Abraham and Sarah in that account don't call her by her name. God does. The angel of the Lord is a representation of God and he acknowledges her lack of status in this situation. He knows her situation and her distress and gives her promises concerning her son. He asks her, where have you come from and where are you going? Now it's interesting that that question is asked when God actually knew where Hagar had come from. But for us, God wants us to name our reality before him, to be honest before him. Where you come from, what's happening for you, and where are you going? Well, continuing this story, Hagar returned to Sarah, Sarah, and her son was born named Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord heard Hagar's cry of distress. And she has a name for God. You are the God who sees me. Isn't that beautiful? You are the God who sees me. It's a profound story of human mess and dysfunction in relationships. Yet God weaves these human mistakes into his biggest story of his love for people through his redemptive purposes. And we see that right through scripture, time after time. Humans fail. God works these failures into his biggest story and redeems situations and people. Well, the, the story continues, and uh, this, I've got this in a different colour because this is Sarah's part in the story. So, about 14 years later, so Ishmael's about 14, Sarah and Abraham, and they had a name change, Sarah becomes pregnant and gave birth to Isaac when Abraham was 100. About that, guys. Being a father at 100. Now, remember, we're not thinking about this as we do with our Western mindset and time frames. But the family difficulties and tensions continue. Abraham being the father of Ishmael and Isaac with two different mothers. 
You can imagine the dynamics and the tension and the conflict and lack of harmony as this works out in our lives. Sarah was angry and lost patience because Ishmael and Hagar were teasing her precious son Isaac. And Sarah demanded that Abraham banish their country. He was to send Hagar and Ishmael away. Now Abraham was caught at this point between his love for both of his sons. But God promises him that he will make a nation out of from the descendants of both Ishmael and Isaac. And uh, the Arab and Bedouin tribes trace their uh, family line back <laughs> So Hagar was sent away into the wilderness with Ishmael and Abraham gave her food and water. She was obviously torn at this point. Out in the wilderness for a second time after the water has gone. Hagar was desperate and desolate. She sheltered Ishmael under a bush because she knew he was going to die. And she went off a little way because she could not bear to hear him crying and about to die. God heard their no crying and reassured Hagar not to be afraid. He gave her the promise that he would make a great nation from Ishmael's descendants. So here, with this promise, she's reassured that Ishmael is going to live. Now that is the same promise, of course, that was given to Abraham. So both Abraham and Hagar received a promise from God. And the story finishes with Hagar finding a well with water and God being with Ishmael as he grew up in the wilderness. So that's the summary of the story. Now you can read to Genesis. You can just read it if you want to find And uh, just check out the story and, and how you understand it, how you uh, connect in whatever way you can with that story. But the story of Hagar as she finds herself in the wilderness experiences is about God stepping into her life and meeting her at the point of need. This was a God who heard the cries, the heartfelt cries, saw her tears. The God who saw her predicament, who understood her, who did not abandon her like Abraham and Sarah. Without any rights or status as a slave. And she comes to know God in the wilderness, in the most extreme circumstances, as a God who hears, a God who sees, and a God who speaks, a God who communicates with them. This is what God has done time and time again for people. This is what God will do for you. He will hear your cries. He will see your situation. And He will communicate with you. Now, 
we're going to jump forward to that story as we pick up this theme of wilderness. Because it's interesting that in both sections of Hagar's story, in the first time she was in the wilderness, and the second time there is a well. And I want you to think about the episode in Jesus' life where he sat by a well, tired out by his journey, on his own, except for the disciples away to buy food. And this was in a town in Samaria. So Jesus is sitting there. It was about midday, hottest part of the day, by a well. And along comes a Samaritan woman to get water. Jesus met her in her wilderness experience and offered her not just water from the well, but living water for her thirsty soul. This is what God does in the wilderness. And we're going to jump forward now about 2,700 years, 27 centuries, from the ancient, ancient Middle East, around about 900 BC, to Europe and the wilderness of a different kind. And it's a timely story I'm sharing with you because in a week's time, the 27th of January, will be the observance of International Holocaust Remembrance Day, the 27th of January. And I want to tell you just briefly about a Catholic priest by the name of Elgamar Unziti. He was preaching in Austria during the Second World War. As the Nazis began their persecution, Engelmar defended his people in his sermons, and he became caught up in the Holocaust. He was arrested by the Gestapo in 1941 and sent to the Dachau concentration camp. Another wilderness-type experience. In Dachau, he continued his Christian ministry to others. He learned Russian so that he could help the Eastern European prisoners. And he ministered to the many people who were sick with typhoid. This eventually cost him his life because he contracted typhoid just before the end of the Second World War. And because of his actions, and his ministry in serving others in that wilderness place, in that dreadful concentration camp, he was known as the Angel of Dachau. The Angel of Dachau. And while in prison, he wrote the words that you see on the screen. Whatever we do, whatever we want, is surely simply the grace that carries us and guides us. God's almighty grace helps us to overcome obstacles. Love doubles our strength, makes us inventive, makes us feel content and inwardly free if people would only realise what God has in store for those who love Him. God's almighty grace helps us to overcome obstacles. 
Calcaia Pilatus. Jesus helped the Samaritan woman in her wilderness. What are you hearing about your wilderness experience or experiences? As you think about your own wilderness times, being encouraged that there is a God who hears your cry, a God who sees you, a God who knows you by name, who in a psalm says, I have carved you on the palm of my hand. Actually, I think it might be one of A God who wants to communicate with you. If you are carved on the palm of God's hand, He's got you. He's holding you. And the challenge for all of us as followers of Jesus, the challenge for us as a church, is to have our eyes open to see and hear people who are in wilderness experiences, not a geographical place, but around us, maybe at work, maybe in your family, maybe in your neighbourhood, maybe in another group you belong to, feeling on their own, looking for meaning and purpose, or in a situation of distress and don't know what to do about it. We believe as person to see and hear and respond. And we can be grateful for people who have done that for us in our wilderness times. People who've seen what we've done have responded with love and compassion and no judgment to us. The story of Hagar points us to a God who makes a way in the wilderness, who provides water for thirsty souls, who reminds us that we are not forgotten, we are never alone, whatever our circumstances might be. And if you feel in a wilderness time now, Reach out to God, who knows your situation. And in conclusion, I want you to think about how you would name God today. The God who is revealed in Jesus and comes to us in our Holy Spirit. What's your name for God? Hagar named him as the God who sees me and later the God who hears me. What would your name for God be? The God who. We're going to have a moment of prayer and quietness and I just want you to dwell on that. Your name for God the name that you have come to know God as through your wilderness times or through other situations in your life. Okay. Loving God, we thank you for the story of Hagar. We thank you for the courage we thank you for the way that you ministered to her 
and make her part of your big story of redemption. And in this moment, Lord, we ask that you would communicate with us in our hearts and help us to know who you are in our wilderness hearts. Just spend a moment now talking with God, finding your name to God. God, you are. Lord, we are humbled before your word. We are humbled before you. We are grateful that you come alongside us. You provide a way for us. And we don't know where to go and what to do. Lord, call us all together in this moment. Make us sensitive to those around us who might be going through a wilderness time. And Lord, hearts are full as we say and sing, blessed in the name of the Lord. Amen. I know that we've all had such amazing, such wilderness experiences in all of our lives. I'm sure there's many stories here today um, that we could all share. So thank you, Lynette, for such a wonderful message. Thank you. This next song is very much singing along those lines of um, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. It's very much about being in that wilderness um, experience. Um, how about we all stand and um, sing and reflect upon this song?